All right, well, we're going to be starting a brand new series this morning. It, it does kind of go along with kind of our last series that we've been doing, and um, I'm excited to share this with you. I don't believe this is going to be an extremely long series. I'm looking at probably about three weeks, maybe four, but more than likely at this point, just three weeks. So we're going to have a little bit of a shorter series. But uh, the title of our series is First You Pray. First you pray. I don't know about you, but there are certain things that for some reason have just stuck in my mind. Uh, a lot of times my wife or others will say, man, you have a really good memory. And I think I do to an extent, but I'm learning something that's kind of getting kind of uh, worrisome a little bit with my memory. And that is, is I think my, my brain has begun to not completely quite yet, hopefully, but it's begun to fill up. And I think your brain kind of has a limit, you know. And so it's begun to fill up. So now I'm like forgetting things that I should remember easily. But I'm also not forgetting things that would probably be a good idea to forget. Okay? And, and the title of this series really comes from one of those things. That, it's not bad to remember this. But it's kind of not necessarily as important as maybe some of the other things that I would like to remember. But when I was a kid, my mom taught or she, she led our kids choir at church. And that was always fun. But uh, I remember one time we sang a song. And the, the name of the song was First You Pray. And it went something like, first you pray, first you pray. And then I can't remember the middle part. Because again, that's, that's gone, it's pushed out. But I do remember the last line. And it's, it's most of the time, it's last on your mind. But first, you need to pray. And it's interesting because prayer is such a vital part of who we are as believers, but at the same time, we struggle sometimes with that concept. I don't know if you're like this, I know I am like this, where I get excited about something or something's happening, and man, I just start going, and I'm just after it, and things are going, blah, 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 and then all of a sudden, usually what happens is, you know, things, I get over my head, and then guess what I do? Then I pray. You know, so it's like, I'm like, eighth, I pray. You know, it's not first I pray, it's, it's like eighth I pray. And, and that's typically what I tend to do. Instead of taking that step back and go, wait a minute, wait. before I do this, before I go here, before I take that appointment, before I say this or do that or whatever it might be, you know what, I should probably first pray. And I think in our hearts and in our lives, we understand that, we want to do that, but although prayer is so vital to us, it's not always something that we focus in on first. This series is, is really, hopefully, if it's going to be what I pray and hope it's going to be, is very applicational. Very much where we can take these things and put them into our hearts and into our lives. Because the thing is, we know we should pray. We understand that. But at the same time, we don't always put the priority of prayer like we ha should have on it. it our, our Kind of our text for this series is going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, basically says this. It says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So let's, let's look at this for a second. You can memorize a portion of scripture today very easily, Okay. I expect every single one of us to be able to memorize 1 Thessalonians 5.17 today. Why is that? Because it's three words. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. Some translations say pray without ceasing. Now here's the deal. 
What Paul is trying to get us to see here is not this concept of basically, you know, we're walking around, we're praying all the time, you know, we, we, you know, we have a bite of food, Lord, oh, thanks for the food, oh, Lord, thanks for the food. But that's not what he's saying. But what he's trying to get us to see is the concept that our lives should literally be bathed in prayer. Okay? They should be consumed with prayer. It's not this idea of walking around, driving in the, at every moment, at every second, because that's just not what he's trying to communicate. The wording here in the Greek is really this idea and this thought of immersion. We want, he wants us to be immersed in prayer. Okay? Think of it this way. You can understand what a swimming pool is. You can understand that it's, it's kind of weird to say this now. It's hot outside, although it's not been so bad the last couple of days. You can understand the heat. You can understand the coolness of the water. You can understand how nice it would feel to get in. But the, and here's the deal. Here's what a lot of people do. Is, 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 you can get your toe in, but that's not what Paul is telling us. Paul's not saying, just get your... I mean, how many of you have gone to the pool? And I know you might not be able to see me, but who cares? You don't, I don't need to be seen. And people will sit on the pool and they dip their legs in. Remember that? You know, it's like, what? Seriously? You know, I know some people are like, I don't want to mess up my hair. You know, whatever. And they'll get their, or maybe they're, maybe they're not in a swimming suit. You know, you see that all the time. You know, and they'll get their feet in, okay? Paul is not saying in our Christian walk that it is enough with our prayer and our prayer life to simply get our feet into the pool. He wants us, and what he's saying to us is that basically as a follower of Jesus, not only are we to be joyful, not only are we to be thankful in all circumstances, because this is God's will for you, but to never stop praying. Basically what God's saying, if you want to use the illustration, is he's saying as a Christian, we should be cannonballing into prayer. We should be, you know, I mean, how many times have you seen a kid do that? Isn't that great? You know, when there's a kid, and because and, I'm, the, I'm the one that's like, it, the water's cold. You know, it's like, you put me in a heated pool, okay. But if the water's cold, I'm kind of one of those, like, really slowly get in. For some reason, there's an age, I guess, where kids don't have any feeling in their body. And so they just, woo-hoo, You know, and because they weigh 40 pounds, it's, it's, it is a boom. That's what Paul is saying. That's what Paul wants us to to do. And so the question really becomes, is your prayer life simply something that you dip your toe in every once in a while? Hey, when things are going bad, well, maybe we'll let our feet get in. Or are you the type of person that every day you're cannonballing into prayer? You're submerged in it in a powerful way. Now, it would be silly to be talking about prayer and not pray for the message. So let's do that real quick. Father, we do love you and we thank you. God, as we talk about these things, God, I know that when we talk about prayer, it can be kind of easy to kind of turn things off. It, it seems elementary. But the bottom line is, is, Father, I think you want to take us to a deeper level in our prayer life, no matter where we are on that spectrum. And then, Father, I pray that as, as we share these things, you would open our hearts through your Holy Spirit to new understandings and new, new, new depth in our prayer life with you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So the thing is, for us and for many of us, prayer is kind of, like I said, kind of that thing where we barely get into the water or it's, it happens, but it happens later and when we're in trouble or when things aren't going quite well. And here's the thing, listen, here's what's beautiful about God and his grace and his mercy. He hears and loves you even though you don't pray first. You know, like God hears those prayers, 
You know, when, when, you have, when you've stepped in it and when you've gone too far, when basically you did things that you shouldn't have done, and man, you call out to God in those moments, God hears those prayers and responds to those prayers. But here's what I've learned. There's something about praying first. There's something about knowing what God has spoken and walking in that that can give us confidence and understanding that we don't always have if we're always praying after everything has gone wrong. We want to pray first. Listen, this is, we'll talk about this every week, so just get used to it for the next couple weeks. It's in your notes. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. It's not the thing that we do after. It's not, first, it's not second you pray. It's not third you pray. It's not eighth you pray. It's first you pray. And I think that sometimes in our hearts and our lives, we forget that. And so it becomes just a res- the last resort instead of the first response. And if we're going to be submerged in it, if we're going to be engulfed in it, if we're going to let it saturate every area of our lives... That means that we're going to let it be something that comes forth first. God, what should I do here? God, how should I respond to this email or to this person? God, should I take this appointment? God, should I take that job? God, should I go on the date with that individual? God, what should I do here? It should all be about that. And not just God this or God that or God help here or God help there, but just a situation where it's just a part of everything. How about instead of getting up every morning, smacking the alarm or the phone or whatever it is, plopping out of bed, crawling into the shower, how about instead we wake up and the first thing we do is say, God, thank you for another day. God, thank you for that next breath that I'm going to take. God, I don't know what today is going to hold, but I know you're with me and you'll walk through with me and you're with me. Amen. And then go get in the shower. How could that change us? How can that change our perspective and our life? You see, it's not just about praying first because God is sitting there going, put me first, even though it's a part of it. It recalibrates us to understand what's most important when we focus in on him, when we humble ourselves for him. And I think more than we've seen in any time in history, we need to be a church. We need to be a people that pray because men listen if you're not paying attention and listen i'm not saying pay a lot of attention you don't have to spend a lot of time to know that our world good night it's a mess it's in it's it's a mess it's in peril It, it really is look at this this is very interesting to me look at isaiah 5 In Isaiah 5.20, this is what it says. Listen. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I mean, that's our world. That's our world right now. And and Isaiah's sitting here going, woe to them. Woe to them. Basically, that's this idea of like, man, this is not good. Bad stuff is coming. You don't want somebody saying woe to you. And in this scripture, he's saying, listen, there is something seriously wrong when people can look at what's good and call it evil and what's evil and call it good. That is That is terrifying. 
And that is the world we live in. That is the world we, 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 we send our kids to school in. That is the world we, we work in and play in and live in. Where we have a problem where we don't understand what God says is good is good. And what God said is evil is evil. And instead we twist it. And instead there becomes problems. And listen, when those things happen, what the Isaiah, prophet Isaiah is saying to those people then and to us today is woe to you. Woe to you. But look, there is something that we can do. Let's look at this together. And yes, I know this is a scripture a lot of you know. But let's look at it a little bit closer. Second Chronicles, first let's start with 7.13. Okay, let's see what it says. First Chronicles 7.13. God is speaking here. He says, when I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. Now let's stop here and let's break this down. Okay, What's happening, let me give you the context. It's very important you understand this. God is speaking at the dedication of the temple. Okay, He's speaking to Solomon and all the people. He is not saying if this happens. He is prophesying to the people that this will happen. It will happen, it goes all the way back into the wilderness where God tells Moses what's going to take place with his people. And basically he's saying, guess what's going to happen? Is what's going to happen is what Isaiah is going to prophesy about a couple hundred years later, which is people are going to start saying evil is good and good is evil or whatever. I, maybe I misspoke that, but you know what I mean. And when that happens, God is going to respond to that. That's this concept of woe. This woe here is this idea of no rain or locusts or pestilence among the people. Okay? So that's the woe. Because we have decided that it's not okay to focus in on what God says is good, God is going to respond to that in this way. Now, we have to understand that because I know most of you have heard or know 2 Chronicles 7, 14. But not all of us understand what God just said in the verse before. In our world today, what are we seeing? In our world today, I truly believe we're seeing this idea here. We're seeing locusts. We're seeing pestilence. We're seeing a lack of rain. Now, obviously, in their time, rain, because they were an agricultural society, was much very, very important. For us, I think even more so, what this is really helping us see is God's presence and God's spirit. So all of these things are being taken away. All of these things are happening in our world because of Isaiah 5. Because we have decided we can say what's right versus what's wrong. It is really a microcosm of today. Now, let's continue. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, if you have your scriptures or you have your phone, whatever you use, do me a favor, underline, highlight, whatever, the word if. If is an absolutely terrifying word. If. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, this idea of promises that are dependent on us. If. If my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. 
You know what I found in the church recently? And I'm talking about church as a whole when it comes to this idea of what's going on in Isaiah and, and Second Chronicles. People sit there and they go, it's too big. The situation's too massive. I don't know what I can do to make a difference. It's interesting here that God basically says, oh, there is. There is something that is so easy and so powerful that if you do it, God will respond to it. It's in your notes. You have to understand this. You have a part to play in what is happening in our world. If you don't like what's going on, and I listen, I don't like it either. What can I do? What can you do? We pray. We turn from our wicked ways. We do these things. And it's interesting that when we do these things, God says he will hear and respond and heal our land. Listen, do not listen to the lie of the enemy that tells you you, have, you can do nothing. You, it's, the problem is too big and you are just too small. That is not true. God tells us if his people will pray, if his people will humble themselves, if his people will turn from their wicked ways. And it's interesting because all of these things really go hand in hand. If we will do these things, God will respond. He will. He'll respond. So the issue becomes we really need to pray. We need to be a people of prayer. We need to value prayer. We need to be a people, once again, that is saturated with prayer. So important. So today, is that kind of our little intro to our series? We're going to kind of look at this and see. If you have your Bibles again, open them up to Luke 11. In Luke 11, the very first verse in there, this is what it says. It says, now... Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I want to give you a little context here of what's happening and what's going on. Jesus obviously prayed. If you didn't know that, know that. Jesus was, a, was someone that prayed and prayed a lot. But here's the other thing maybe you don't know. So did the disciples the disciples prayed and prayed a lot. We've been watching The Chosen um, in our cell groups or our community groups before. We, we kind of aren't doing it right now, but you know what I mean. And it's interesting that in that series, they do a really good job of showing that. Basically, what happens is the guys will be asleep or the disciples will be asleep. They wake up, and what's the first thing they basically do? They pray. But it's a very formatic prayer. It's a very proceedable prayer. It just is kind of, here it is, okay, I pray, and off they go, and they go. But at least they're praying. Okay, these were men that understood prayer to an extent. These were men that prayed and had memorized probably hundreds and hundreds of prayers in their life. But all of a sudden, they look and they see Jesus praying, and they go, wait a minute, this is something different here. This is something that they'd never seen before. And so these men who are great prayers, quote unquote, basically look at Jesus and say, listen, Jesus, we're noticing something different about the way you pray versus the way we pray. Will you teach us how to pray? Will you teach us how to pray? Listen, this is in your notes. I found this, 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 this quote 
I couldn't figure out who said it, but I thought it was great in, in your notes. It says, even as the disciples, we need Jesus to teach us to pray. This is good. Prayer is so simple that the smallest child can pray, but it is so great that the mightiest man or woman of God cannot be said to, have truly, uh, to truly have mastered prayer. It's what is amazing about it. That God hears your three-year-old when your three-year-old goes, goes, Jesus, you know, help, help today. Amen. He hears that prayer and responds to it just as much as he would respond to any other prayer. But no matter how long you've been praying, no longer what you've been praying or, or all those things, I, I don't know if we've ever truly, can truly master it. And so these disciples who have prayed and prayed and prayed look at Jesus and basically say, listen, teach us to pray. I don't know how many times I've heard this type of comment or, or, or response about prayer. I've literally, probably hundreds of times, in some way, shape, or form, I've had people say, Aaron, I don't know how to pray. And it's interesting because a lot of us, and sometimes that comes from people that haven't known Jesus for a long time, and it's also happened with people that maybe have known Jesus a long time. So like the disciples this morning, what I want to do and what I think is important as we begin this series is through Jesus' help, I want to teach you to pray. Now, here's what you need to understand about this situation okay, that we're going to look at. Well, actually, let's wait. I'll tell it in just a minute. So they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Now let's go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, uh, 9 through 15. Jesus here is in the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He's having this discussion. This is a very parallel portion of Scripture. And this is what Jesus says, starting with verse number 9. We'll go to verse number 13. Jesus responds, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as, also we, as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, a lot of you that have a Bible, you know, maybe physically or even, even digitally, you know, and they have the subtitles above each section, you have something that's said there. It's usually, this is called the Lord's Prayer, okay? Now, here's the thing. I, I take a little bit of an objection to that. I, I know that for literally, uh, you know, centuries, it has been called the Lord's Prayer, and you are more than welcome to call it the Lord's Prayer. I call it the Disciples' Prayer, because Jesus here is teaching the disciples to pray. He's showing them how to pray. If you want to see how Jesus prayed, okay, we have that in Scripture. Go to John 17. You will see Jesus' prayer. So what I believe this is, is really a template of prayer. I do not believe that Jesus told his disciples this as just something to mindlessly chant every time that you need to pray. Here's why I believe that. Number one, because we see how Jesus prays, and Jesus doesn't pray like that. Jesus, what I believe is doing, is he's giving us a guide or a template to follow so that in our prayer life, we can pray like Jesus, okay? And so this morning, I believe Jesus, for us, has broken down basically there's six facets of what I call the disciples' prayer template. And we're going to do that this morning. We're going to break these down. And so what I believe is going to be very important for you is to hold on to these notes, okay? 
If you didn't get some notes, get some. Put this in your Bible because I believe that we can use this template to help us learn how to pray. So let's break this down. We're going to break it down, the disciples' prayer together, and see what I believe the template is for Jesus, for the prayer that he wants his disciples to pray. So here we go. Number four, the first part of this is our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. And I believe that Jesus here is telling us he wants us to connect with God relationally. Relationally. It's interesting here that in this, in this prayer that Jesus is helping us to see, he says, listen, God likes to be called Father. He likes to be called Father. Now listen, I don't know about you, I've been to prayer services, and I've been, you know, and it's, it's oh, great Jehovah, Jireh, you know, I mean, all the whole big thing. You're kind of sitting there going, what is this? What, what kind of prayer is that? Jesus doesn't respond to God in that way. And he tells us to respond in the same way. He says, listen, you need to call God Father. It's connecting with God in a, relationally, a relational way. Look at Romans 8. Romans 8, 15 says this. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Okay, Jesus is saying, listen, God's your dad. God's your father. That word Abba is kind of this concept of a, is, you know, father seems very proper almost. In a lot of ways, that word Abba kind of indicates this idea of a, almost like daddy, a closer type of relationship. And so he's basically saying, hey, it's okay to connect with God relationally. It's okay to show that there is a relationship there, that God desires to have a relationship with you. And so he says, connect with him in that way. Start your prayers connecting with God in a relational way. Next, next, the next portion of this, hallowed be your name. What I believe this is showing us is God wants us to worship his name. To worship, hallowed be his name. Look at Proverbs 18, Proverbs 18.10. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. Listen, I want to give you some names of God. They're on the back if you flip over your notes. Some names of God is righteous and sanctifier, healer, banner of victory, shepherd, peace, provider. There's so many more. So worship God because of who he is in a lot of ways. God, you are my peace. God, you are my healer. God, thank you that you have come to make me righteous because of what you have done. God, thank you that you've provided these things for me. All the things that God is, we worship, we praise, we love him in those ways. We did that in our worship service this morning. We sat there and what did we call Jesus? We called him the Lamb of God. That's a name of Jesus. It indicates the fact that we we know that he was God's perfect lamb that died for us and our sins and we worship him because of it. We love him because of it. We're thankful to him because of it. So after you've connected with God relationally, after you've understood the concept that you're no longer a fearful slave, but instead because of what God has done for you, you are an adopted child of his, you begin to worship him for all that he is. God, that when I'm sick in my body, you are my healer. That God, you are my shepherd. 
that will go, even when I am the one that wanders off, even when the 99 stay and I'm the one that wanders. Jesus, you are the good shepherd and you come and you bring me home. And wherever you are in your life, whatever you're experiencing, I think these are the things that we can remember. Some of us, we're in a place where, boy, we just need God's peace. Well, that's what we're called. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. So let's remember those things and allow that to be a part of our prayer life and allow it to be a part of the template that God has given us. Number three. Number three. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Next, pray his agenda first. Okay? Pray his agenda first. It's so easy. And listen, there will be a moment where we're going we're gonna to talk about the other thing, okay? But before we start in our needs, let's pray that God's agenda gets done first, okay? Because God's agenda is, listen, hear, hear me here. God's agenda is bigger than your agenda and better than your agenda. Okay? So let's pray that first. But here's the deal. What's God's agenda? What should we be so concerned about before we bring our needs and our situations? Well, I believe we see it very clearly in Luke 10 or Luke 19:10. In Luke 19:10 it says this, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Listen. God's agenda, let me help you out here. God's agenda is not making sure that the people you want in political office are. Okay? Let me, let, me, let me say one a little closer to home for me right now. God's agenda is not that a certain team wins a game this afternoon. God's agenda is finding lost people and bringing them home. And one of the things, one of the best things we need to be praying is that God will and that God will use us to have that agenda met. Jesus said, or God said very clearly, he wishes that none should perish and that all would come to repentance. As far as I know, that agenda hasn't been met yet. And God wants that agenda met. And God wants to use you and me to meet that agenda. God wants us to be praying towards that agenda. Now, are there other things we should pray? Absolutely. Okay, somebody's sick or, 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 or there's somebody at work. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But really what this is, is this idea that before we pray for ourselves, which is a part of this, we pray for others. We pray that they come to know God, that they have their needs met as well by who God is and what he wants to do. So pray his agenda first. God, I pray that for, I pray for this community. God, I pray for the people that don't know you. God, I pray for those that have looked at things and they've called good evil or an evil good. Or, God, I pray for them that God, that you would use people. God, use me to help them find you so that they would come to know you and be saved. Pray his agenda first. Number four, give us this day our daily bread. Depend on him for everything. Depend on him for everything, okay? It's okay. God invites us. I love this. God invites us 
to bring our needs to him. Okay? That's a good thing. It's important that you do that. But it's also important that it's not just, it's, it's just not the surface things, but everything. God has done that and wants to do that. Look at Psalms 121. Psalms 121, 1 through 2. You don't have that one. Oh, I must not have given you that one. Hold on. I do. I'm sorry, Linda. I must have messed up. We have a lot of verses, so hold on one second. Of course, it's in Psalms where everything is like a page, and there's four Psalms on each page. Almost there. Psalms 121, verses 1 through 2. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. See, a lot of times we want to look at other things and other situations and even other people to be able to meet those needs and to depend on them. The writer of Psalms 121 says, listen, it's not there. I can't find my help there. It's, I, I, I need the Lord to come and to bring everything that I need. So bring those needs to him. Next, number five, and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Get your heart right with God and with others, okay? There's two parts of this that are very important. And it's amazing that Jesus could bring all of these things together as a template in such few words. But he's basically saying this, listen, our hearts need to be right with God. We need to go to our Father and say, listen, God, if I have messed up or where I've messed up or even if I don't even know how I have sinned, God, I ask that you just forgive me of that. And God, not only that, but those that have hurt me, God, those that have done things that, to, that have upset me, God, I forgive them. Listen to what this says. Jesus doesn't say you wait for them to forgive you or to be okay or to ask your forgiveness. It simply says as we have asked God to forgive us, we should also forgive those that have hurt us. It's very important. Some of us deal with, with unforgiveness in our hearts. And Jesus understands that that can bring so many disastrous things to us. And so he's like, listen, and when you pray, you remember that you are forgiving. God has forgiven you and also that you are to forgive others. Look at 1 John 1 through 9. Is it on there? Did it just go away? Okay, no worries. We will make it work. We'll do it old school. 1 John 1 through 9. It should be 1 verse 9. Let's see here. There we go. 1 John 1 through 9. You know, I think I gave the wrong verse. Give me a second, guys. So I apologize. Oh, there it is. Okay. If we confess, it was right. I was looking at verse chapter 2. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
so we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to sit there and go, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? How Will God really forgive and listen to that lie that the enemy sometimes will tell us that we've done things too much or they, we've gone too far and instead we can go to our Father and say, you know what? God, I've messed up. God, I haven't done it the way you asked me to do it. I rebelled in this area or didn't handle things correctly and we can know that God will forgive us of our sins that but also as we have our heart right as far as towards God we also have to make sure that our heart is right towards the other people that are in our lives and so we got to get our heart right not just with God but with others the final one the final thing that we need to talk about here as we kind of bring this to a close as Jesus in this template is and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil the last one is we need to engage in spiritual warfare. Now, anytime we use those words, there's some people that kind of go, wait a minute, Uh, I've seen some of that and that's, that's weird. And you know what? There's been times where I've experienced some weirdness too, okay? I don't believe that when we understand what spiritual warfare is, that the requirement for it is to be weird, okay? I've said this before, I'll say it again, I am a very charismatic person, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, but I'm a charismatic that wears a seatbelt, okay? I believe that God is in control and that we need to understand that. But I also believe that there are things that are going on that we need to be aware of and we need to be praying against and for. And I believe our prayer life needs to understand that. Listen to what it says. I have it, if it's not on the screen, Ephesians 6, 12. This is what it says. We read this, I believe, last week as well. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Listen, we have got to understand that we are in a battle. We are in a battle, and one of our major weapons that we have is our, the weapon of prayer. We need to understand, listen, some of us in our world today, it's like we are walking into a boxing ring with our hands behind our back and not understanding why we're getting the snot beat out of us. One of the greatest weapons you have in your arsenal is the weapon of prayer. And I don't mean that it's weird or strange, but we have to understand that we are not fighting against anybody else besides the enemy does the enemy use others absolutely but we are fighting a spiritual battle we need to be fighting with spiritual weapons you see the problem is is for a lot of us we want to fight a spiritual battle with with basically human weapons or carnal weapons we think if we can get this, this individual elected or if we can just do this enough or I can just have this much money, then I won't worry or whatever it might be. You have to understand that one of the issues that we need to understand is when we engage in spiritual warfare, we have to engage with spiritual weapons. And prayer is one of the great weapons that we have to use. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, look at verse number 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Why are we seeing a lack of strongholds being destroyed? Simple, we're using the wrong type of weapon. 
God wants us to use the weapons that we have in a spiritual sense to tear down the spiritual strongholds that we see in our world and in our life and in our family and in our communities. And one way we do that is we pray. We fight. We fight in prayer. I've always heard it said, it's kind of cheesy, but it's true. We fight on our knees. And for some of us, we don't understand why we keep losing the battle. It's because we're using the wrong weapons. And you may say, look, maybe it's because I don't know how to pray. Listen, one of the greatest things you can say, I know this is going to sound weird, but one of the greatest things you can pray is, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, help me. Now, again, this is not like we don't, I don't believe Jesus ever wanted this just to be like we recite it and we follow through because what I believe is, is once we begin to follow the template, once we begin to follow those things, it becomes more natural, it becomes more, not maybe easier, but it just becomes more fluid and more organic in our hearts and in our lives. But there's parts here that Jesus wants us to follow, I believe, because it leads us to a place where strongholds can be torn down. You see, some of us, we want the the strongholds pulled down in our hearts, in our lives, in in, in our families' hearts and lives, in our communities' hearts and lives. But the problem is, is we're not getting to that place because we have not walked the road that God wants us to walk in our prayer life to where our prayer can be as effective and as powerful as He wants it to be. We see it over and over, the prayer of a righteous man is effective and powerful. I want to have a powerful, effective prayer life. To do that, to do that, I need to follow the template that Jesus set out for me. Because here's what I believe. And again, if you're interested, it's, it's fascinating. The, the, the intercession and the prayer life of Jesus. It's amazing where we start with the disciples' prayer and then what we see in John 17. The prayer of Jesus is unbelievable. The power and the authority. And here's the deal. I believe that God is calling us to have a prayer life like that. If we're going to be Jesus' disciples if we're going to follow in the dust of our rabbi, I believe that God is saying, listen, you can pray like that. You can have a powerful, effective prayer life just like Jesus. And his disciples wanted that. His disciples saw that there was something different. Compare and contrast them. Look at it. Go, go look at Matthew 6 and then go and read John 17 and you will see a massive difference. But here's the thing. I believe that God wants to take us from a Matthew 6 prayer life to a John 17 prayer life. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some work. But God is calling us to a deeper level of prayer. A level of prayer that as he said back in Second in Chronicles, that will literally change our world for him.
That's the power that prayer offers us. That is the authority that prayer offers us. And listen, I've heard it said many, many times. Well, yes, Aaron, but that, that scripture is an Old Testament scripture. Yeah, that, but, but that's what God said then. Listen, if God said it then, and he said you could have that type of authority and effect over your world in that day and age, how much more now can we? Now that we've been made righteous by God's sacrifice for us. Now that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, how much more powerful and effective can your prayers be? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Here's the deal. I know when we talk about prayer, you know, it it can be kind of like, okay, yeah, 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 I know, Aaron. I I need to pray, all, all those sort of things. I get it. But here's the deal. We're not talking necessarily in this series about, um, what's the best way to put this? We're not talking about a basic prayer life, okay? I believe that no matter where you're at in your prayer life, God wants to use this time in this series to elevate it. Now, here's the deal. I do not believe, and I do believe Scripture teaches us, that prayer is more effective if you follow these steps, okay? Like I said earlier, man, if you don't pray first and you pray 10th, God responds and hears those prayers. This, this is not basically, okay, this is how we get what we want type of situation. That is not what this is and, and not what God tells us. What we're wanting to do here and what we need to understand is this. If you have a counseling session with me, whether it is for uh, marriage or how to handle kids or, or whatever it is, I will tell you the same thing that I've told people for the last 20 plus years in my ministry. It's this. And there are people in this room that are going to know this. You communicate, then you communicate, and then you communicate some more. Why is that so important? Because communication changes things. When it's done poorly, it can affect so negatively relationships and understandings. But when it's done well, it opens up so many avenues of understanding and depth of relationship. What is prayer? It's communication with God. Why I want us to have a deeper understanding of prayer is not so that we can kind of come up with the magic formula to get what we want. That's not what prayer is. It's not what prayer was designed to do. Prayer has always been a way to grow closer to God. It has always been a way to communicate in a more clearly way, a more clear way with God to God and for God to communicate to us. This isn't about a a pattern or a template as much as it is helping us to grow closer to our Father. To know Him intimately and to know Him well. And I have found one of the best ways to understand that and have that happen is spending time communicating with God in prayer. So listen, if if you're sitting here this morning online or someplace else and you're going, man, this guy's just peddling this way to get what I want, you could be further from the truth. We just finished a series on Closer. If you haven't put two, two together and gotten four yet, this is one way to help us grow closer to him. 
This is one way to know our Father's heart intimately. This is one another way to experience Him. And for some of us, our understanding and our communication with God is basically just barely getting our toes in. For some of us, it's just, you know, I'll get my feet in or my legs in, and isn't that nice and refreshing? Where Paul tells us from the beginning, never stop praying. We wake up, we pray. We get in our car. God, keep me safe as I head to my destination. As we walk into our kids, are getting ready to go to school. Father, I pray that you would just be with my kid as he goes to school today or she goes to school today. God, make them a leader, not a follower. Amen. Father, as I'm walking into my place of business, God, I pray that you would help me be a light today to those that come in our doors, that I would represent you in the right way. Father, I thank you so much for this food that you've provided for our family. God, every good and perfect gift is from you. Thank you for it. We love you. God, before I go to sleep, God, I want to thank you for this day. God, thank you for being with me and helping me. God, I know it wasn't perfect, and God, I know I failed in certain areas. God, forgive me of those those failings. But God, you are faithful, you are just, and you will forgive me, and I thank you for your forgiveness. Amen. Turn the light off and go to bed. You see, this template is not necessarily you sit down necessarily, and you have that moment. Now listen, we're going to talk about that. Just just hold off on that. There are times that we need to have set times of prayer. And in those moments, it's good to follow that template and to, to walk through those things. But you know what? I can walk through that template throughout my entire day. You can too. But this is not about just saying, look at a great prayer I am. This is about allowing it to be a vehicle that helps us grow closer to Jesus and to our Father. There are so many times in Scripture where Jesus goes off to pray. He needed, he wanted, he desired the closeness that came through prayer with his Father. And listen, if that's not you this morning, I believe God wants to change that in you. We need to change our perspective. First, you pray. Because when first we pray, everything else begins to fall into more perfect place. So Father, we come to you right now. And God, we're so thankful that you love us. We're so thankful that you sent your son for us. Not just so he could die for our sins, which obviously is awesome, needed, and amazing, but also so he could show us and teach us through his life, through his words, and through his actions. And so Jesus, we thank you that you are a wonderful teacher. We thank you that you teach us things and show us things and help us to live our lives more in, in congruence with you and how you lived your life. And Father, I just pray that you would just help every individual that's here to Father, no matter where they are in their prayer life, that God, you would raise them up. It's not about long. It's not about fancy words. It's about a heart that desires to connect with you to commune and communicate 
with you. So Father, don't let us get discouraged or feel like we can't pray. Instead, just let us speak with you. Let us follow the template that you gave us so that our prayer life can be more effective and more powerful for your glory and for your kingdom. So God, no matter where we're at, no matter who we are, God, I believe that today and throughout this next month, you want to take our prayer life to a brand new level. You want us to memorize and live out, never stop praying. God, for each of us, I pray that we are just saturated, saturated by your presence in our lives. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, listen, I want to say this before we, we go. Um, obviously, we had some technical issues in the back. I want to appreciate your, your patience with that. Sometimes we have some issues. Um, here's the deal. I probably didn't give Linda what she needed, so don't blame Linda. Blame me, okay? My fault, okay? But again, thank you so much for your patience. I know when things don't go quite perfectly, it's like, oh, it's going to be easy to be distracting. And I, I appreciate you staying with us in that and giving us some patience as we kind of got things working. It's kind of funny. When things go great, it's easy to go, well, of course, you know, when things kind of have an oops, it's easy to mess up or go, oh, why didn't that work out? We'll get it figured out. It'll be good. But again, thank you for your love and your patience through that. So thank you so much for being here this morning. For those that are online, thank you so much. We love you. We hope that you're doing well. And hey, guess what? Just, you know, just kind of happened to fall this way. This Wednesday night is prayer, okay? So we'd love to have you here to pray with us. Now that you have a template that you can use, bring it with you on, on Wednesday if you need that. And you can begin that, that prayer life. But don't start Wednesday, okay? You can do this today. You can start immediately walking with the Lord in a deeper prayer life and in a deeper relationship with him. Okay. Thanks for being here this morning. Again, those that are online, we love you. We miss you. We hope you're doing well. I hope you all have a great week and we'll see you on Wednesday.